This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back to the show. You think that uh, that Superman music, of course, for Nicole Jokic. No, it's not. It's not what it's for. It's our friend Justin Adams from CBS News Colorado. Justin Adams TV on Twitter. Friend of the program, as local as they get. Uh, Justin, thank you for joining us. And the Denver Nuggets, obviously, with this big win last night, make a significant statement. I, I Sandy and I talk about how in the middle of every playoff series, you will find out when one team knows they're beaten. Miami is not there. Do not no, get no, me wrong. No, no. But no, the no. faraway stairs from Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler after the game indicated that they're fully aware of what they're up against, right? Yeah, because they just had, uh, they played against a team that just hit five three-pointers, and they ended up losing by, what, 15, 15. last night? <laughs> and, and as Sandy pointed out, in a normal NBA play, a finals game, Bam Adebayo goes for 22 and 17. He's all we're talking about. It is ridiculous. Hey, here's, here's, here's how weird things are right now, guys. All right. First of all, Bam Adebayo, right? 22-17, right? Yeah. Of course, everybody would be talking about him, number one. Number two, the Broncos just made a move to get a pass rusher, and we're not talking about him in the first thing in the we'll, show. We'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but yeah, you're right. right. It's but not right. the first thing we're talking it, about. Yeah, it just shows how everything's so upside down. But when you have the performance that you did from Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray last night, who was gifted a rebound, I may add, uh, in the final seconds. It, it landed on him, basically. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> uh, it was still an impressive performance by those guys, yes. especially when you look back in the third quarter. And Christian Brown, my goodness, man. I mean, just the way that he came in off the bench. was, And we always know that he was a spark plug. But he showed it. And in every playoff series, you need that one guy who's able to show up and make something happen. Eric Gordon, game four against uh, the Lakers. You could talk about KCP, game three against the Lakers as well. Right. This would be a game that will be remembered for Jamal Murray and what Nikola Jokic did. But do not forget about Christian Brown. That was extremely impressive. It was impressive. And it was also noticeable that many of the minutes – Brown played last night, came with Murray and or Jokic on the floor. And, and Michael uh, Porter Jr. Sure enough, sure enough, when he moved without the ball, you're playing with Jokic, he'll find you every time mm-hmm. if you get free. And he was seven for eight, seven layups, dunks out of seven, and one missed three-pointer off the side of the backboard on which he got the rebound. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know how perfect you can get uh, Jokic asked about Brown after the game, kind of shrugged and said, well, he's a proven winner. Yeah. Uh, and he's a proven winner, which shows that Nikola Jokic studies the game, knows all about his teammates, and could probably uh, tell you uh, quite a bit more than uh, most any of us would know, uh, not only about the championship Brown won in Kansas, but the three state championships he won when he was in high school. I, I, I mean, he know, he's a proven winner. And yeah, he is. that's what he is. And, you know, we won't get into the coach not really recognizing that for at least three quarters of the year, but we won't get into that. I, I, I want you to ask, I want to ask you, though, about Michael Malone. Yeah. Who, who, and we've been hard on him in the last few days, but he did something last night that I wish he had done Sunday, but better late than never. And I've never heard him do this before. Uh, he's reflecting after the game. He's, answering a lot of questions, and at one point he was asked about game two, and he uh, walked back, I thought, about 90% of what he had said between what he 
said after the game last night what he said uh, on Tuesday in the in the press gathering, but he acknowledged that along with the plain mistakes the Nuggets made, the coach made some mistakes on Sunday night too. I've never yeah. heard Michael Malone say that after a win, after a loss, after he's blitzed players. I've never heard him also say, hey, I made mistakes too in game two. Sandy, it's easier to have account- or hold your players accountable where you hold yourself accountable, right? So when you go up there to the, to the podium and you say, hey, I made a mistake as well, that's when the play for you. And that also allows you to have a different voice even at this time of year. Because guys can still tune you I know it's the NBA Finals. But to be able to say, I made a mistake, now allows you to say, hey, I'm holding myself accountable. Now I can hold everybody else accountable, along with the veterans who have a bigger voice in that locker room as well. So it was a great thing to see. And I will say this. I know Michael Porter Jr. is having a tough series. That's, I mean, that's just the reality of this thing, right? Game two, you could definitely put it on him for the reason why the team lost. What oh, yeah. he did in the third quarter, though, several times just chasing, just chasing after the guys, getting in their way, having seven rebounds, all those different things add up. And you know that a shooter like that will eventually be able to knock down some threes. But when you have those things happen, and you also have other guys on the bench be able to come off and be able to make some plays, that's when you'll be able to win as a team. Here's one thing, guys, and I don't think a lot of people talk about that I thought was important too. Reggie Jackson, despite only having one shot, which he missed right before the buzzer in the first quarter, he came in and gave the Nuggets two really good minutes to give Jamal Murray just a spell, just enough of a breather right before the end of the first quarter. It's small moves like that. Those are the reasons why the Nuggets are up 2-1 to one because you're not able to extend your bench, give your guys some rest early on in the game so that Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic can definitely uh, close out the game in the second half. Great point. It is, and it is, it's important to note that Michael Malone has improved in that regard. But uh, now that we go into a Game 4 tomorrow in which the Nuggets could really take a stranglehold on this series. Uh, We've seen that Miami does not back off. They do not give up. They are very well coached, and they're going to have their backs against the wall. This is a must-win for them, and they know it. If you're just looking at it from a basketball standpoint, based on what you saw last night, if you're Miami, what's the counter? We saw the Nuggets counter what Miami did in Game 2. What's the move back on the old chessboard for the Heat? Time to fight. I didn't see a lot of fight from Miami. I saw a lot of fight from them early on in the game. Second half, I didn't see a lot of fight from them. They missed on a lot of shots. On defense, especially. On defense, especially. Jimmy Butler, who came out and talked about his, you know, his teammates, well, you know, our energy level and our effort was lower. If you look at the highlights of the game, we're not talking about the game itself. Let's look at the highlights. You see Jimmy Butler giving up on defense against Jamal Murray. You see Jimmy Butler trailing on defense. He's not de- Well, we'll see if we can. You know, those guys, those are the things that have to change. You know, I, I, I just wanted to add to that. You're right. And I listened to Jimmy Butler today, uh, earlier. And if he didn't include himself last night, right after the game, he definitely did today. I mean, that was the headline that he yeah. took just about uh, singular responsibility uh, for the law saying, I have to be better and I will be better. And I don't think he was talking about scoring more than 28 points. He was talking about his defense. Yeah, but he had two point, rebounds and four assists. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and 
the four assists, okay. Uh, you know, it, not that he wasn't passing. They were missing a lot of shots. Okay, that wasn't totally on him. But two rebounds in 40 minutes for Jimmy Butler, uh, that's that's not good enough. But it also shows that – look, let's call it what it is. The only guy really grabbing boards at, at certain points of the game was Jokic. So you have to get two or three different guys there to be able to go and corral the ball. Find a way – how to be able to get to the basketball. I know Bam had that 22 and 17. I get it. But at some point, it has to be other guys who has to come in and be able to go and get those rebounds as well. So that's something that definitely has to change for Miami. And another part is, too, they got to score. They have to get some guys who can be able to knock down some threes. I think you play Duncan Robinson a little bit more. I know that you'll struggle a little bit defensively with him in. Right. But he doesn't he play gets any shots. I mean, he gets some shots, though. I mean, that's kind of what you have to trade now, right? If you're not going to stop the Nuggets from scoring. But you yourself, the way that Miami has been effective is they've been affected by knocking down some three-pointers. That's really the only way they won game two. So mm-hmm. be able to get those guys in there. And, oh, by the way, if Tyler Hero can be able to go and play game four, that would definitely help you out a lot and really help out your depth and the shooting that you have. So continue to do so and see what happens in game you, four. You read these. You played the game once, and you know how coaches talk about injuries. And my sense is that he's still in phase three uh, in, in terms of recovering. Uh, phase one is a return to basketball activity. Uh, phase two is working out hard with coaches. That's the stuff you see pregame sometimes with injured players out on the floor uh, well before the game begins, and they're working out with coaches and uh, you know strength and conditioning guys and so on. And then the third step, which he's in right now, is contact with teammates in practice. But I heard Eric Spolster talking today, and he basically said he's still in phase three, and there's a big gap between contact and practice and being cleared to play. And he said, much as he said on Tuesday, the day before game three, he said he hasn't been cleared and suggested that he probably wouldn't be. And word for word, today it seemed like he had the same deal. No, he has not been cleared to play. And that the the step from three to four is a lot bigger than the step to resume basketball activities and then work out with coaches and then work out with your teammates and practice, you know, they're probably not doing a lot of hard aerobic stuff today. I'm guessing they watched a lot of tape, but he didn't sound like, uh, uh, and by he, I mean, Spolster didn't sound like uh, hero was going to play at all. And I, I think the Miami players know that too. And I, I I don't know how it affects them because Spolster won't, won't complain about it. you know, you go with the guys you have, but if they're waiting for his insertion into this series, whether they are waiting for that or not, I, I can't see him playing in this series. Well, the one thing that they can he hasn't played by there, Well, to be honest with you, Sandy, then what they need to do is get ready to go to Cancun because uh, <laughs> if you don't have another score off the bench and Gabe Vincent, he had some foul trouble, do you trust Kyle Lowry to be, you know, your starting lineup or to have more minutes? Um, in spurts, he could play well, but in well, long he played spurts, thirty minutes last guy. night, and he was okay. But you're yeah. right; 
That's the cap. I, I mean, I'm with I'm with you, that's Justin. I, I think uh, Spolster's being smart. He's protecting Hero. So if, if he were to break glass in case of emergency and throw Hero out there for five six minutes to see, and he's terrible, then Spolster said, "Look, we were just we were desperate. We gave it a shot. We knew he wasn't ready. That way, the player doesn't take the blame." I don't think he'll play Hero until he's ready, and he's clearly yeah. not close to being ready to play. That that's my reading of it. And he also hurts your team. If he if he's not ready to right. go, he hurts your team. And right. The he, he can't guard you, uh, any one of the three of us. He can't and, guard. and that's under best of circumstances. He's a, he's a blow-by defender. And here's the thing. We're in the finals, guys. Everything's physical. You're telling me that you're not going to test out that hand? Like, if, if I'm playing football, right, and I know a guy is coming back from an injury, you think that I'm not going to see how healed up he is early on in the game and later on in the game and continue to hit that whatever part of his body <laughs> until we find out if he's truly healthy. Well, they, gonna hit everything that I too. hear, he says the hand's still sore. And they're sure not going to play him as long as there's pain. Yeah. And not. it's on his shooting. It's he may want to play, too. but he says, he's been saying and they've been saying his hand is still sore. Yeah. I guess you can practice with a sore hand, but you sure as hell can't play with one in the NBA Probably finals. Probably not well. If We're, you're a shooter and that's all you do. We're talking to Justin Adams from CBS News Colorado, Justin Adams TV on uh, Twitter. And, Justin, I guess uh, let's move over real quick to the Denver Broncos. They make a move to sign a Frank Clark. One-year deal could be as much as $7.5 million. Of course, the Broncos have been uh, tormented by Clark with the Chiefs for years. But uh, there's also the thought process that if – the Super Bowl champs really liked what Frank Clark could do for them. They probably would have kept him. I think it's a good move for the Broncos because beggars can't be choosers, but I want Broncos fans to understand uh, just because it's a name you recognize doesn't mean it's a panacea that fixes everything. Yeah, but when you're a team that only had 34 sacks last year, look, if I had the size and strength right now, I'll go and get a contract with you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was to a point where you looked around there, and guys, we've been so privileged the last couple of years that even though the Broncos have been terrible um, from a record standpoint, we always knew that there would be some sort of pressure that would get after the quarterback, right? Like, we knew that for the last seven years, even though they get into the playoffs, you knew that, okay, some sort of pressure would at least get into the face of the quarterback. 34 sacks last year, guys. I mean, that wasn't there. Once Bradley Chubb was gone, there was nothing else that was there with this team. So yeah, well, in order to help out the other pass there. rushers you have on this team, you got to go and make some sort of move. So Frank, Frank Clark being there on a one-year deal, always a prove yes. deal. Yes. I love those type of deals. Too. And, yes, he's not the same guy he would have been, obviously, with the Kansas City Chiefs. But like you said, Sean, beggars can't be choosers. And right now, the Broncos are begging, begging for some pressure, especially if you want to be Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and whatever quarterback Las Vegas ends up throwing out there. So you got to make sure you go and get a pass rusher. All right, Dalvin Cook's 27 years old. In the fourth year of a $63 million deal he signed in 2020, Vikings let him go, save $6 million in cap space. In the process, Adam Schefter reports that the Broncos are among the teams interested in Dalvin Cook. Explain this to me. I'm confused because uh, P. Ryan is healthy and uh, the Broncos uh, insist with increasing vehemence that Javante Williams will be available not only for opening day but for the start of training camp. Uh, what this is saying is that when you say that you're interested in a guy like Dalvin Cook, you're pretty much telling the world that uh, Javante Williams is not 100% healthy because anybody looks good in helmet and T-shirts, in, in t-shirts but exactly. you actually have to go yeah, exactly. put the pads on yeah. and you have to take some punishment. And, oh, by the way, this will be a run-centric offense. Just look at where you put the money in in free agency with the offensive lineman that you signed. Um, you're pretty much saying, hey, we want to go and make sure that Javante Williams 
is 100% healthy and he's not there now. And we need to get some more explosive players on offense. Now, is Dalvin Cook still that same guy at 27? You can make the argument he's at the end of his prime. So if you do get a chance to grab him, now would be a good time. But I could see him going back to uh, Miami, especially when he went to Florida State. Me, too. Yeah, exactly. I think Miami's a much stronger uh, candidate for Dalvin Cook than Denver would be. I mean, the only connection with Denver would be George Payton. Yeah, that's that's, and Sandy, I could make the argument Miami would be just a better situation overall. I Absolutely, mean, better look at team. That roster, better like, team. <laughs> that roster is primed to be able to go up against Buffalo. And you look at the AFC East. I get it with New England, but at the end of the day, it's looking like it's Buffalo and Miami. New England has a bottom drive. five roster in terms of yep. talent, don't you think? Oh, they do, and. Thank God they finally have an offensive coordinator who's a little bit nutty, but at least it's an offensive coordinator. But when you look at the Jets, you say, okay, well, how about the Jets and their defense? And look, Aaron Rodgers is there. Well, all that is fine and dandy, but when you have to take on teams that have Josh Allen and what he presents on offense, and also their defense as well with Von Miller, he's going to be back next year after coming back from a torn ACL. And, oh, by the way, you look at Miami and all the different moves that they made, my goodness, if their quarterback tool just stays healthy, they have a great shot to be able to go far in the postseason. So I would say if you're Dalvin Cook, your best shot is to go to Miami where you have Tyreek Hill, you have Tua, you have so many different pieces around. It will only help you out on offense. He is Justin Adams. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, Justin Adams TV, CBS News Colorado, of course, everything going on there. Uh, Justin, always good to talk to you about this. Uh, The Nuggets uh, back in the 75-76 season won two games in the ABA Finals before losing to Dr. J and the New York Nets. This is the closest they've been by the time we talk next. Uh, Not only may they be closer, uh, maybe they'll even bring home the trophy. Thanks so much for all your insight. Hey, I appreciate you guys. And the best part about what you just said, Dr. J, he's like in his 70s and 80s. Brother ain't coming back on the court, so the Nuggets should be all right. (laughs) Yeah, right. They can't foil him this time, at least. Justin, thanks so much, Justin. Not only do the Heat not have Dr. J, they don't have John Williamson either. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And people old enough to remember that series will remember John Williamson, who, along with Dr. Che, led them back from a 23-point deficit in Game 6 and provided us from seeing what we have never seen, and I don't even think we'll see it in this series, and that's a Game 7 for the NBA title in the Mile High City. I right. think Nuggets fans could live with that. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. All right. See you guys. All right. Justin Adams joining us. The Game, of course, comes up tomorrow, and uh, if you want to get involved in that again, well, you can. So bring that big bet energy this summer with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the most trusted name in sports betting. And right now, if you use promo code MILEHIGH, you can score up to $250 with their first bet bonus, which means win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code MILEHIGH. Simply visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions or download the Superbook Colorado app in the app stores. Enter the promo code MILEHIGH, and you'll get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. The Nuggets in that 75-76 series had a pretty terrific two-man game, two with Dan Issel and then Rookie of the Year, David Thompson. Both guys cheering on this Nuggets squad as we speak. And with all due respect to those two luminaries, both of whom numbers are justifiably hanging in the rafters, the two-man group of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, even better and leading them to unprecedented heights. We talked about the Broncos. What could Frank Clark bring to the Broncos? And for Dalvin Cook, I'll tell you why he won't be coming to the Broncos, at least if I was Dalvin Cook's agent. Next on Mile High Sports.
Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Broncos uh, managed to break into the Denver Nuggets uh, finals talk, talk for just a smidge. They do sign a pass rusher of some note. Uh, they get Frank Clark, formerly of the Chiefs, one-year deal of $5.5 million, roughly, that can go up to seven point five. With incentives, and if he gets all those incentives, I presume the Broncos would be more than happy to pay the $7.5 million. But, Sandy, you have some concerns about whether Clark can actually still do that. Well, I, I do, and I, I take for fact that in four years in Kansas City, he made three pole runs. That is right. Fine. Okay. Yeah. And he is the active leader in postseason sacks with 13 and a mm-hmm. half. I don't know how good his chances are of increasing that this year with the Broncos, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, in 2022, he had a 10.2% pressure rate among qualified pass rushers. That ranked 80th. Just the facts here, ma'am. 80th. Uh, you know, okay. Just the facts. He turns 30 on Wednesday, by the way. 40 pressures total last year, ranked 40. Okay, uh, say what about the previous three years? Uh, pressure rate, 2019, 11.3%. 2020, 10%. 2021, 11.6%. Last year, 102 uh, Appears to be declining slightly. Total number of pressures, 47, 44, 46, 45. Not, not not a big change over the last four years. Sack totals, and again, sacks aren't everything. No, they're not. We pressure you. I, I pressure rate. Pressure is and more important. Total pressures. Okay, yes. we've given you those two. The sacks over the last four years, starting in 2019, year by year, eight, six, four and a half, and five. So, uh, curb your enthusiasm. However, for a one year. Prove it deal. Perfectly sensible. Yeah. Browning's undergoing surgery. Right. He's another guy. They say, oh, don't worry. He'll be ready for training camp. Uh, Scene is believing with uh, Baron Browning and with Javante Williams. So uh, particularly considering that Browning is undergoing surgery and he is a pass rusher, uh, then I think it makes eminent sense to uh, sign Frank Clark, who, uh, yes, today is 29, but will soon be 30. Yeah, 9 News reported that uh, Baron Browning underwent uh, surgery to repair a partially torn meniscus recently, expected to be ready, quote, at some point during training camp. Oh, oh, okay, so I misstated. At some point during at training camp. At some point during training camp. Which it, will begin that, late next not month. Not even as far as they're going with Javante. They've said Javante will be ready not at some right. point. But right away in training camp. In other words, there are concerns about Baron Browning, and the, the Broncos needed to make some sort of move. They needed to improve the pass rush anyway, because Randy Gregory is notoriously unreliable when it comes to health. And so they, they've gone and and got Clark. And I, I, it's one of those things. I don't hate it. 
Oh, Actually, no, there's, there's no harm no, done. At this and time of year, play, it's a good move. You got him for one year, yeah. and then you let him go. It's a make good. It's, I, it's a good move. It's a good move. It is not a move that changes the Broncos and by the way, with from Randy where Gregory, they are. Randy Gregory, as of right now, has one year left on his deal, too. Basically, he either yes. proves he can play. Yes, and his deal stay was healthy. essentially structured as a two-year deal. And when I say prove he can play, I mean get in more than a dozen games, right. which he's never done in his life as right. a professional. Either he does that this year or they let him go, and the same thing is true with Frank Clark. Yeah, and that's so it, it's more just an understanding of it's a good move by the Broncos. It's a sensible move by the Broncos. There's nothing wrong with the move. It, it's just not a situation as Broncos fans are desperate to have their team back in the playoffs, I understand that. Uh, it's not as if you added a piece and go, aha, now the Broncos are a playoff contender. It's not, it's not a difference-making position. It, it is a move that could bolster their pass rush, not fundamentally change it. And that's the idea now with all the running backs that are available. Of course, Ezekiel is still out there. Leonard Fournette's still out there. Uh, Josh Jacobs hasn't signed his franchise tag uh, either. So, and now to add it to the list is Dalvin Cook and the Broncos. I made it known through Adam Schefter that they would, and that's the way that works, by the way. I'm not telling any secrets out of class here. Um, Adam Schefter is an information broker. People call Adam Schefter to say things in exchange for information that they can get from somebody else. Now, it's possible that Dalvin Cook's agent could have also talked to Schefter, uh, one of the two, talked to trying, to, trying to generate some sort right, of uh, exactly. market. But, and it's, uh, it's never good to say uh, there might be one team just in my client. Right. Better to have multiple teams uh, you say are expressing But I went, I went on Twitter today and tried to tell people, and I'll host the Broncos Blitz podcast tomorrow with Cody Rourke, who's on After Us Afternoon Drive and uh, you know, out at OTAs every day. But the idea where well, you talked about Javante Williams, well, wait, if the Broncos are right, well, what do you, you have Javante Williams and Piran, what do you need Cook for? But hypothetically, let's just say that Javante Williams is more along the lines of what I reported earlier in the year, <laughs> yeah. that he was going to be out till like week 10. And I well, still say more accurately. Maybe it makes sense. So I could get that. But at the same time, I, I tried to remind people, when you look at, at Dalvin Cook's efficiency numbers, they've dropped pretty dramatically, too. Yeah. Now, I get it. He's been over 1,000 yards each the last four years, and he's been in the Pro Bowl, and that's why people are excited, and it wouldn't be necessarily a bad addition. But he's not going to come at a discount. And here's the thing. If you're Dalvin Cook, I'm sorry, Broncos fans. This is hard, okay? I grew up here. I get it, okay? I grew up with a closet that's half construction orange. I understand. You're not used to this team being this bad. The last time they they were this bad, they were wearing vertically striped socks, basically. So I get it for this long. (laughs) I understand why you're frustrated. Never in their NFL history have they been this bad for for this this long. long. When you're talking, right. And, And so this is really a problem. I get why you're frustrated. But here's the thing. Unfortunately, there's a catch-22. Do you want to sign Dalvin Cook? Okay, cool. What do you need? Money? Okay, I guess you can give the money. Although the Broncos were known to have about $10 million in cap space, right. and they just spent five and a half in on Frank Clark. That's so, right. uh, okay. But anyway, let's just throw that out. The next thing you have to do is be able to have a sales pitch for Dalvin Cook. What's the... What's the pitch? And this is the problem that I know for Broncos fans is really tough. It, like, correct well, me if Cook I'm wrong, but the Vikings pitch. were in the playoffs last year. Uh, they won 13 games, as a matter of fact. I, I thought I remember I understand that it was sort of a soft 13, if that's possible. Well, but, yes, and they lost in the playoffs to the Giants. But, I mean, let, let's think about this. Let's just look at some of these. Now, we already talked about the Miami Dolphins, which would be a good fit. Oh, by the way, also, that's where Cook's from, Opalaka. <laughs> 
and has talked when he played the Vikings last year in Miami, talked about how it was a dream come true. And guess what they need? Like a Dalvin Cook. Yes. And and guess what the other thing is? They're a playoff team, or at least in the mix. Well, who else might need a good running back, uh, given the fact there was injuries? Um, but Brees Hall got hurt last year. But yeah. all of a sudden, the New York Jets have been kind of interesting, right? With Brees sure. Hall coming off an ACL? Yeah. Hmm, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, do, who, do, who Who's out, out on the marketplace? Uh, was it uh, Ezekiel Elliott? Where'd he play? Didn't they like having a tandem? You think they're going to go Pollard? Only? Doubt. Or are they a playoff team? Hmm. Uh, who else could use running backs? Because, by the way, they didn't really have a bunch of good running backs. They had a stable of okay running backs and a brilliant quarterback. That'd be the Eagles. How would Dalvin Cook back on the aren't Eagles? Aren't they good enough already? I want to give them Dalvin Wouldn't Cook. Wouldn't that make sense? Uh, how about maybe if, uh, you know... J.K. Dobbins isn't quite coming along, fresh new contract. How about running back and forth, maybe Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, uh-huh. yeah? Um, that might work. Oh, I think he'd be a great Saquon pick. Barkley's long-term offer by the Giants got pulled. They're at a contract. They're, they're basically at, a, at loggerheads. Pass. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Are there any other teams that might need a running back? Who just lost Samadji Piran? Cincinnati. Who's been trying to maybe move a, move away from Joe Mixon? Uh, yes. Oh. Cincinnati. I wonder if that might be a good fit for Dalvin Cook. That's an interesting spot, isn't it? Well, what's another team oh, that's been... Oh, and they're not too bad a team. Yeah, not either. too good, not too bad at all. Uh, what's another team that's actually kind of in that mix that has not got a good collection of running backs? Uh, how about the Bills? All of... See my point? All of these teams could use Dalvin Cook. All of them, every single one of them, is in better position than Denver, and it's just teams I wrote down on a napkin during a break. Well... <laughs> I mean, think about it. There are... In my view, at least 19 teams, at, at, emphasis on at least 19 ta- teams, who if you do what ESPN did earlier today right, and rank the teams 1 through 32 on their roster. according to their core players, Ross, yep. their core five players, the best five players, right? The Broncos came in 20th, and I thought that was generous. And then I read their synopsis, and basically they said they're only ranked this high. And by the way, every other team in the division was ranked ahead. Every one of them. Okay. Yep. They were only ranked as high as 20th Mm. because they're assuming that Russell Wilson in 2023 will look and play more like 2021 Russell Wilson, as opposed to there's just an assumption that Wilson, Russell Wilson, that there is there is a big assumption, and I I think some of it is real because I do think Nathaniel Hackett's mishandling of basically everything meant that Russell Wilson was sort of left to his own devices, which is what he thought he wanted, and it turns out that was a disaster. I think Russell Wilson will be better than he was last year. That said, I believe that some of the things we've seen in the decline were real. Uh, we know that and have the, the been out speed, there for two, two and a half. Years. They have, and, and so I, I, while I think he will be better, the presumption that he's going to go back and being MVP candidate Russell Wilson, I think those no. days are probably no. gone. No, and so the Broncos being the twentieth best team, I'm with you. I think that's uh, maybe a smidge generous. Maybe it's not outlandish. Oh, I don't think the Broncos are a bottom five team. What I'm saying they're is they're bottom third. They're, they're definitely bottom third, and they're. Possibly bottom ten. And what's your sales Still, pitch? And that's acknowledging the top free agent that Sean your bottom Payton third pick is a much better coach than Nathaniel. Hackett. Right. And they're still still bottom third. In my view, 
best bottom third and possibly even bottom 10. Yep. I, and I think that's I think that's all accurate. And so you have to consider it, Broncos fans, and you look at what's the sales pitch to Dalvin Cook. What is it? I mean, if, if you're the Broncos, if you if the presumption is, well, he knows George Payton from back in the day. Okay, well, what does George Payton say? One, George Payton isn't going to be making the call. Sean Payton will be making the call. Right. Because Sean Payton runs the show now, period. Right. But even if, so what, what's he going to say to Dalvin Cook? Hey, Javante Williams, uh, we love him, obviously. We don't know when he's going to be healthy, so we'd like you. Yeah, we signed Samaja Pirine. <laughs> Definitely going to be a running back by committee. Come join a running back by committee on a bottom third team in the NFL while we know we're the worst team in the, in the, in the division or at best, at best, the third best team in the division. What is your sales pitch, really? This is You end up with guys like Frank Clark because they're, your best, they're their best options right now. If Dalvin Cook has better options, and, and after does, one year, Frank Clark, if he bounces back, he can, can fail. bounce back, and even if the team stinks, the he can leave, sure, and go to a contender, whether it's the Chiefs or some other contending team, even in the NFC. So you got to relax. Every time a running back's name pops up, stop it. The problem is, folks, it's not the running backs; it's the Broncos. The Broncos don't have the sales pitch. Unfortunately, to have the sales pitch to top top free agents to attract them, you have to be good. You have to win. The Broncos haven't done that. And it's chicken or the egg. But until they win, they're not going to be able to make the pitch unless you want to overpay, and they don't have the money to do that. Dalvin Cook is not coming to the Denver Broncos. Sorry. Just learn to live with it, Broncos fans. But you did get Frank Clark. So, who knows? On a one-year make-good deal. Maybe that's a, that's a good move. We'll see if it pays off. The Denver Nuggets are two games away from claiming their first NBA title and their best weapon, of course, uh, Nikola Jokic, has become essentially unstoppable. At least what most observers think. Certain observers whose opinions sort of uh, go back and forth with the wind may feel otherwise. We'll we'll hear from one of them, actually, next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Hey, we do every team every day here, so uh, so you know the Rockies have blown a lead down at Coors Field and are now trailing oh. five to four. Yeah, it sounds the, like a carbon uh, the copy of, of the game last night. Oh uh, yeah, more or less. We'll, uh, uh, by the way, the Rockies have lost thirteen out of twenty-one games, and they are back on a ninety-five loss pace, losing record for at home. And, uh, yeah, well, you know. Uh, it's Nolan Jones is doing well, so there's that. Good, good on, good on him. Nolan Jones, uh, one of the once a top prospect in the uh, uh, Cards organization, actually playing pretty right. well for the Rockies. So uh, good, good, good for him. But uh, the Rockies are now in last place, three and a half games behind fourth place San Diego in the National League. Yeah, and that's where they and, and they might as well uh, get the only comfortable. Teams in baseball with an inferior record to the Rockies, twenty six and thirty seven, Kansas City eighteen forty four. Oakland 14 and 50. Yeah. Those are the only two. And, o- and Oakland's tanking the season to go to, of course, to get to of Las course. Vegas. Yikes. The Denver Nuggets have, of course, won uh, game three. They did so in pretty spectacular fashion, historic 
fashion, as a matter of fact. I mean, we could go over it again. I guess we should real quick. The first two players to ever get 30-point triple-doubles as teammates in any game, regular season playoffs, or finals. Uh, Jokic is the only player in NBA history with multiple 30-20-10 playoff games, and he's done it three times. Uh, Jamal Murray, by the way, joined Steph Curry and Jerry West as the only guards ever with 30-point triple-doubles in a finals game. Murray also joined uh, Magic Johnson and Bob Cousy as the only players to ever have three consecutive games of 10-plus assists in the finals. But he's the only one to do it in his first in his first finals three. games. Right. Uh, in Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. Triple doubles this playoff. Nikola Jokic, nine. Everyone else in the NBA combined, three. So, uh, uh, well, he's got 10 now. With, with one last You're correct. Night, You're correct. It was nine 10. last night. Now it's 10 right. compared to everyone else's and, three. And uh, 16th in his playoff career. 16 triple doubles in the playoff career of Nikola Jokic. And I'm guessing... In the next two years, that may double. One of the most uh, efficient <laughs> shooters and efficient scorers in the league. But over today, it was funny. Yesterday, I did the, the rare, 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 rare thing. And I sort of kind of praised Stephen A. Smith for having a sensible uh, take, even though it was somewhat muted. And um, it, you know. What is it? What is it? Uh, let me go. There was an old Simpsons line when uh, Conan O'Brien used to write it. Mayor Quimby of the Simpsons uh, uh, once looked the protesters outside his window. He said, all right, that's enough. Let it not be said that whichever way the wind blows, that I do not also blow. Yeah, yeah that's right. And blow hard. <laughs> yes. Here is Stephen A. Smith from earlier today with an incredulous. Uh, you won't be able to uh, see them, but just picture J.J. Reddick and Jay Williams with blank stares on their faces. Hey, I get you. Here's my counter to that. Jokic isn't known for having some kind of dominant post game now. That's not his game. Hold on a second. It's, it's not his second. game. He's not a dominant post. Is he a dominant post player? Is Jokic a dominant post player? Stephen A., we've got 10 years of tracking data. You know what the number one most efficient half-court play is in 10 years across the NBA? A Nikola Jokic post. What is it? There you go. Whoa. Boom. Boom. Whoa. Boom. Hold on. Wait, wait. Talk, talk, talk. JJ. 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 I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Can I respond? I got it. I got it. Listen. Listen. Y'all know what I'm saying, man. Listen. Nikola Jokic got such a beautiful touch. He reminds me more of a McHale. Then a shack is what I'm trying. You understand the difference that I'm saying? Y'all yeah, know the game now. You understand what I'm saying? No, I mean, I mean, McHale was something special, 10 feet and in, and I get it. But I'm just talking about drop step dominant. I, I, I mean, I when you look at Shaq, that was another level. I wrote it I'm down. Not trying no to say post that, up that, game. No, Nikola Jokic beats you a multitude of no ways because his touch is, is just bump next unreal. Game. 80 times. So I'm gonna do that. No post Go ahead. Game. Go ahead. Commissioner Go ahead. Adam Silver. I stand correct. Well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. <laughs> Do your research, man. Well, it doesn't take much research. Uh, if you watch the games, you understand that, of course, Nikola Jokic has a dominant post up. It's the, it, game. And JJ Redick is and right. People Over talk the last about 10 years. The if you're, uh, on, the most on, efficient when he play gets the basketball. ball in the post, it is the most efficient play in the entire NBA over the last decade. That's pre-Jokic. Right. Come on. He's expanded his game out. Yes. And and the the stunning thing to me about Jokic, even this year, 
is that he eschewed the three-pointer for large portions of the season. He just didn't shoot. Now, I think some three. of that was, there was some wrist, there was, uh, I think, some soreness well, with the wrist. yeah, but, but even before that, he wasn't shooting a lot of threes. Not a lot. Now, I, I don't know, I won't say he shoots a lot, but the ones he shoots, he makes at an astonishing rate. I mean, well above his regular season percentage for his career on threes, he's making a much higher percentage of his threes in these playoffs. And I'm just like, well, that was the only thing about his game that seemed to be diminishing ever so slightly in recent years. And all of a sudden in the playoffs, now he's a three-ball threat again. I, I, I throw my hands up. What can he not do? And you had does- the stat about his contesting oh. 19 shots last night, and they made three, three. of 19. That's 15.7%. If you throw Murray in there, Miami was seven for 31 on shots contested by the tandem of Jokic and Murray last night. Uh, between the two of them, 31 shots were contested, and Miami made seven out of 31. And doing quick math in my head, uh, that's uh, somewhere between 20 and 25%. In other words, not good. Nikola Jokic in his career, <laughs> in his career, and that includes these numbers to get this, but by the way. But, you know, pr- here were his three-point shooting percentages when you're talking before. 2018-2019, Now, remember, this is a seven-foot center who has a uh, six-foot 11, 285, whatever, that uh, has, has sort of a, from three especially, sort of a Larry Bird kind of two-handed catapult release that makes it entirely unblockable. So 39 Very high release. Yeah, 30 the, yeah, 30 39.3% in 2018 2019. Uh, up to 42.9% in 2019 2020 down to 37.7 in the 10 games in 2020 the brief five game cameo last year uh, 27.8%. This year in 18 playoff games. 47% from 3. 47. Folks, I, I don't know what to tell you. He's growing. His game is growing. It's getting better. It is literally getting better. And and the idea of how you're going to stop. Look, Sandy, do you know know the best three-point percentage that Steph Curry universally and correctly, I think, considered the best three-point shooter in history of the game? Best shooter. Do you want to guess what Steph Curry's career three-point percentage is in the playoffs? In the playoffs. In the playoffs. 40. 39.7. Jokic is, Close is 41. Yeah. Jokic is, is 41.2. Now, Jokic, so you're telling me. Jokic this year is in 47. the playoffs, Steph Curry, who, of course, in terms of rebounds and assists, can't compare with Jokic, he doesn't even shoot, at least in the playoffs, Steph Curry's the three ball as well as Jokic. Best season the was the 2014-2015 playoff run where he shot 42.2%. Jokic in five playoff runs has topped that twice. And the 42.9 he put up was in the 19-game playoff run back in 2019-2020. So in Jokic's two longest runs in the playoffs, both of those times he has exceeded Steph Curry's best, best career three-point shooting percentage. Both times. This man is on another planet. 
We're talking about the best shooter in the history of the sport, and the 6'11", 285-pound center is a more efficient three-point shooter than that guy. You have got to be kidding me. It is unreal what Nikola Jokic is doing right now. It, it, his game is essentially limitless. His shooting range is now essentially limitless. His touch around in, in the restricted area, you get down low, He has it's the most effective play in the NBA and has for the last decade. His three-point shooting is better than Steph Curry's. He's the best passer anyone's ever seen. Maybe Magic Johnson. Maybe. Well, Magic had a 12.3 assists per game average in the playoffs. I, I don't think Jokic will get there for his career. No. As, as a playmaker. I don't, I, I don't think he'll get there. But then again, but that's not his primary job. But we mentioned the other day, Oscar at 8.9, he'll catch Oscar. He's at around 7.1, 7, 7.2. Oscar's Oscar at 8.9, but given two or three more years, he'll average more assists in the playoffs than Oscar Robertson did in the playoffs. And you go back and look at some Oscar Robertson playoff box scores from Cincinnati especially, but even in Milwaukee when he was playing with Kareem. And, you know, he could still pass. Now, he wasn't as much of a threat as a scorer. His rebounding late in his career wasn't the same as it had been when he first came into the league. However, he still had the greatest low-post weapon in the history of basketball. And the guy had one shot, but it was the shot that made any other shots. (laughs) It didn't matter. Skyhook. Unblockable, unstoppable. Remarkable. Nikola Jokic now and this this playoff run is averaging 30.5 points a game, 13.4 assists, 10.1 assists while shooting 54% from the field. The Nuggets are two away from claiming their first title. We'll have an opportunity to break this down tomorrow with Brian Blackburn. Of course, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast. Looking forward to doing that. Thanks to Justin Adams from the CBS George Carl will join us tomorrow. Uh, George Carl, of course, Hall of Famer, will also join us tomorrow. So we will be uh, loaded for a Friday. Uh, congratulations to the Broncos on their signing. That's good, too. Not getting down the cook. Sorry, everybody. Just, you know, move on. Enjoy the Nuggets. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth for making everything work. We're going to clear out for Nilo Piro and Cody Rourke. They'll be up momentarily bringing you more about the Nuggets, the Broncos, everything else going on, every team, every day right here on My Life Sports. Thanks for listening. However you did it, whether it was on the web, whether it was on the app, whether it was on the air, we appreciate each and every one of you. We'll be back tomorrow at 2. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Thanks for listening to My Life Sports. Keep it right here. It's Anilo and Cody next.